From the world of AV programming and control with James King, I'm Steve Greenblatt, and this is Ask the Programmer. James, it's great to be back with you. I'm looking forward to this very timely conversation, and we're going to talk a little bit about um, software and hardware. So uh, welcome. How are you, James? I'm doing great, Steve. Uh, it's great to be back. And this topic, as you say, is very timely and uh, looking to dive into it. So if we can take a step into the conversation, what uh, we're going to talk a little bit about today is everybody's dealing with the, uh, the supply chain and, and hardware, higher lead times, not being able to get the products you need, not being able to complete projects. Uh, how, what do you do when you need a replacement part? Um, all of these things are, are really impacting the industry, and we, we don't have solutions for them uh, that are going to be perfect. But one of the things that uh, I think we can spend some time on, and I wrote an article that I can send a link to, is how, to, how do we use software to maybe compensate for some of the hardware shortages? Uh, and, and I think we can think a little bit outside the box, but software is pretty powerful. And for, for years, we've all, always been using the control system to do workarounds or overcome something that doesn't do work exactly the way you need it to. Or maybe you have um, a piece of gear that failed and you need to change the code to compensate for it. Uh, maybe it's a bad input on a switcher. All these things we've been doing for years and years. So what I wanted to talk a little bit about is if we think outside the box, what can we use software for to be more accommodating and, and maybe get us around some of these hardware uh, limitations or, or shortages, but also what can we do to maybe repurpose some of the hardware that we have and use it in different ways by uh, use, leveraging control. So um, James, I, I um, wanted to see what your thoughts were on that, and then maybe we could talk about a couple of different ideas. Uh, yeah, I, this is actually something I've been thinking on my own. I'm a, um, looking at our podiums in our classrooms, we have, I would say not much equipment compared to some other schools I've seen, but we got a decent amount of equipment in there. And I would personally love to see us get to a point where we have almost no equipment or zero equipment inside our podiums that the faculty members or the users can just come in using the system with very little technology right there for them. Um, so this is something I have thought about um, trying to weigh all the pros and cons and see if it's something I can actually roll out um, in our environment. It's definitely a good topic and I've looked, look forward to diving in with you in more detail, but I definitely see this being um, where the AV industry is going. So, so if you could elaborate a little bit, what, what, what would be your options for, for taking the hardware out of a podium? Is it, are you talking about cloud? Are you talking about um, consolidating the equipment? Yes and yes. <laughs> Centralizing so, it. Yeah, I one one idea I kind of uh, uh, rattled in my head was moving 
like a we have in our university um wings where i kind of explain our layout is almost like an airport you got your center spine and you have branches off of that uh for our main building there's other buildings off that but each area has their own um idf so my thought was well could i leverage the idf and you know throw a central processor in there and a, a bank of amplifiers and run everything back to the idf and that could make and then i don't need all that equipment in podiums and when we do need to service things we can get to them easily because they're really walk right in get to them um they're out of the way so again enhance their security because now they're not in the classroom they're in a locked environment um yes our podiums are locked so that's um nothing to worry about but again it's less playing because they're in a more a controllable environment of who's going in and out um so it's that's one thing i thought about and then i also have toyed with the idea of cloud services and i do go back and forth from cloud services i have um i see the huge benefit of it again check out my january article um it and av uh, for the higher ed digital magazine because I kind of touch base on this uh, cloud services because what's great about cloud services is they're scalable, um, they're powerful, and there's a expert team dedicated to those servers and takes it away from you and your team. Problem is when they go down, it's out of your hands. Uh, and we saw in December, uh, AWS go down a couple times. Um, and so that does worry me with cloud saying is going there and, you know, AW, say AWS goes down again and then, oh, sorry, faculty member, you can't turn on your projector because uh, Amazon's down. They're not going to want to hear that. Now, yes, that's a... Wild example, we have our IR, we can turn on projectors, but just, I think you guys understand what I'm talking about. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. I can make tons of jokes about the other things that they may be more concerned with if AWS goes down, but mm-hmm. <laughs> rather than their AV, but uh, it's, you know, the whole idea is that you're thinking progressively and and what are the, what are different ways to look at things and how can you get um, better results or, or make systems that can give you the same outcome, but be easier to service or easier to maintain or, or even consolidate some of the hardware. Um, even though from a user's perspective, they're not going to see very much change. Uh, that, so, so I think that's a lot of, um, what, what we're thinking about here is, um, what, 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 what is this hardware shortage going to, how how what what are what are some of the potential uh, workarounds? But also, what are the potential ideas that are going to stem from 
this situation because if it goes on long enough, I don't think that people are going to be stagnant. I think that they're going to find other solutions, and and I don't know that you can hold off your needs for very long. What one of the things that I touched on and and I think is something to consider too is are there solutions that can be done where you're you're not necessarily tied to a particular brand. And I know that nobody really wants to hear that. And I, and I, I certainly don't want to encourage um, there to be non-brand loyalty, but can you write software that's more universal uh, that, that can work on different products that um, don't, don't require one and only one particular piece of gear? Uh, how, how, how can you make your system so that you're increasing the ability to be swappable. Um, so what I mean by that is, for example, if you're talking about a user interface and you're developing an HTML5, you're not tied to any particular hardware for that user interface because so many different products support HTML5. And if it's on a network, it really doesn't matter what, what that screen looks like. Is it a dedicated touchscreen? Is it a web browser? Is it um, a mobile device, some other um, thing that will allow you to not have to be limited to what you can you can accomplish. Um, there's more examples about that, I, I believe, but I think that one is probably the most obvious and, and the, the most tangible. But it, if you're, I guess another good one is if you're writing in a, writing in a language that can run on different types of products, you're not necessarily tied to a dedicated processor. Again, I'm not necessarily promoting the fact that you shouldn't be doing that, but these are some of the concepts that are, um, I think people's minds are going to be open to uh, as, as they're, they, they are pressed to solve their needs and they're unable to get the hardware that, that they were expecting. Uh, you're, you're correct there, Steve. And I'll go a little further on that. And because I'm, I'm coming at this as a focus on my end users and I'm a champion for them. So I'm their connection between our manufacturers, our vendors and what they're using. So do I have brand loyalty? I do to a point. My loyalty lies to my end users. So I need to be able to make sure the students are getting educated. And the way I make sure that it's happening is the faculty members can use the technology in our classrooms to facilitate their message, their material that they're sending to these students. Now, if I'm using brand X, brand Y, brand Z, they don't care. The content that they're giving is the same. Um, and if I need to, I need to be able to quickly move and make sure that the content is getting to the students. Um, I heard this about a year or two ago on another podcast. And it really struck a chord with me. And now, granted, he worked for a uh, 
military school. So his example is a little more important than say someone in my my school. But uh, he was saying that if the cadets didn't like say the projector didn't work one day, and the teacher's like, "All right, class is canceled. Projector didn't work," um, and moved on. That could have been vital information that cadet needed on the battlefield. Well, same here. We are educating business leaders, uh, nurses, uh, teachers, uh, scientists, um, you name it. There, You got all, even computer science people and hopefully some AV people in there as well. Um, and they might be missing critical information that they need for their job. Um, so reliability is more important to me than brand. Um, the way you're going to get my brand loyalty is the liability and the ease of moving things. So if I can take my code that I am developing and that I know works and I have a hardware failure and I can move over quickly to another one, that's going to be what I'm looking for. If it's brand Y, brand Z, I can care less. Um, going back to your example, with HTML5, I think that kind of also leverage with my example of AWS say going down. All right. Well, as you mentioned with HTML5, you can get to it from a web browser, mobile device, dedicated touch panel. So say I throw a dedicated touch panel in the classroom and that panel breaks. Now I can access the same interface from the computer browser. The room is not unusable now. I can get going, wait for the new panel to come in and get going. So being able to have this flexibility and run more common language stuff is vital. I, I, I think very, uh, very well put. And, and if I could just tag on to what you said, I've worked in corporate and especially in the financial institutions and and trust me, they care if they they are not going to be able to have a meeting because every minute counts when you're dealing with with traders that that have a lot of money on the line. So it's uh, it's it's not okay to have to cancel a meeting or be delayed or not being able to to make the technology work. So to your point, and I, and I think it was very well put too that the idea is. Um, we, we have to make a system run so that we can support other people to be able to do their jobs. And it doesn't really matter what, what is making the, them run. It's uh, the fact that it's up and running that is, that's critical. Um, the other thing I was going to touch on, and, and um, we're, we're probably going a little bit long, is just the idea that there's also some ways to take products that you may have and either get more out of them or use them in different ways. And, and it comes back to our conversation about APIs in, in, in our last show and being able to uh, take repurpose something like a, uh, a, a, maybe a device that has a camera um, just for the camera controls or being able to do use switching but not do um, you know, processing or, or calling there a lot of products if you can if if you get creative and you understand how how they work and and you take a look at what they're capable of doing there's a lot of functionality that isn't commonly used that is accessible through an API that 
uh, could get you out of a jam. So it's just, just another idea that we could throw out there, maybe discuss in a, in a future episode, or if, if uh, listeners have some experiences or questions about that, they can reach out. It could be a good, uh, good follow-up. I agree. I think that is a good follow-up. Um, again, it's using what we can, especially as we're seeing with the supply chain issue is we may, I, I keep telling people now when we need to order something, plan six months a year because that's what we're looking for. Now, that might be a little dramatic, but I'd rather say, yeah, you're looking at a year and get it in four months because then I look like a hero. Uh, my manufacturers look like a hero. But um, if I say, hey, you're going to get it in two months and it takes six months, now I look like okay, you're, you didn't know what you were doing. So uh, definitely any way we can speed up the process of getting our projects done is key. And I, I think it also really speaks to the value that programmers can bring, you know, especially nowadays where they're, there's, they're being overlooked in some areas and being replaced by, by some uh, plug and play type systems and, and less customized solutions, uh, programmers, can be really an asset in, in these, these types of situations. So it's something that we, and hopefully the community that's listening can be proud of, but also we could share uh, with the, the greater AV audience. Um, probably a good place for us to stop, James. How can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you're up to? Uh, as always, you can get me on Twitter at AV underscore James King. Definitely get involved on AB and AM because um, that's a great way to connect and grow the community. Um, I, I do write for the Higher Ed Digital Magazine, the IT and AV column. I'm on LinkedIn. Um, you can get me almost anywhere on the internet. Sounds good. And I, I'm, I attest that you can. Uh, for me, you can reach me at Steve Greenblatt on social media. I do some writing for AV Network avnetwork.com, uh, as well as uh, my company blog at controlconcepts.net. And uh, we, we definitely want to hear from you. So please uh, keep reaching out. Let us know what you think about this episode. We talked about some, some interesting things, some things that were a little bit different. And uh, let us know what, uh, what you liked. And, and hopefully it uh, spurred some ideas or conversations uh, and uh, feedback positive or negative is always welcome. So please uh, let us know. And if you could uh, do us a favor, share one of your favorite episodes with somebody, either a friend or online, we'd really appreciate that as well. And uh, we hope to hear from you in the future. And that's what we have for today. And this has been Ask the Programmer.